welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. If you're new here, I'm Helen. I'm a confidence and business mentor for women, and my whole purpose is to help you clear out any mental or spiritual blocks that are keeping you from leading the most happy, fulfilling, successful life that you could possibly lead. This podcast is about diving into the root core issues that keep us from living in that highest vibration, learning how to alchemize that, and above all, holding space for our humanity as we explore the depths of what it means to be human. We are all in for a treat today. We've got Leo Max joining us for the second time. Leo is an amazing subconscious guide for deep transformations. He focuses on shadow work, inner child healing, entity removals, and he does hypnosis trainings and offers mentorship as well. So, oh, if you haven't heard the first episode with him, definitely go back and listen to that one as well, because we enter a whole other realm about death and dying and the realms in between this life and the next. And it's just absolutely fascinating. Leo is one of my favorite healers. I did a past life regression, like a quantum healing session with him about a year ago. And I've just stayed on top of his work and his offering since then. He's just such a wonderful person. I can't say enough good things about him. I'm obsessed. So I think I will just let you guys enjoy this episode and get right into it. Leo is just such a gift to our world and I'm so excited for you all to get to know him and dive a little deeper into the quantum realms in this conversation. So while you're listening, you can find Leo on Instagram at restorative hypnosis. I'm at Helen Denham underscore. As always, we love to hear from you. DM us, let us know what your biggest takeaways are and uh, you can even leave a review if you feel called. I'd be so grateful. Okay, my friends, thank you as always for being here. I love you and I'll talk to you on the flip side. Okay, well, let me ask you what I always ask, which I've asked you before, but do you have any rising routines or rituals that you're going to have your routines or practices changed at all in the last year or so? What's that looking like? My spiritual practices, I do mostly at night. That's always how I've done them my whole life like something happens the sun goes down and i like shed my skin i'm like <laughs> oh i'm home <laughs> finally here we are hello yeah. and actually on that note i recently had um a hypno journey where i had the first glimpse of what my team called my home planet which doesn't come up for me all that much like very connected to my uh, galactic nature, but I'm not someone that needs to know all the details and dives into it. I just figure if I'm supposed to know, I'll know. And I wasn't asking anything about it in this journey and it just kind of came in a flash and my team was like, uh, your planet doesn't really have daytime. Mm. And I it like, <laughs> it's like this epiphany moment where I was like, of course, of course it's like forever dusk in this place don't know where it is so it put a lot of pieces together for me so to answer your question when i'm up i like to do something movement based i stretch a lot just jump honestly jumping jacks and just like little squats and just like I used to have, I don't have many trampoline right now, but yeah, I used to just jump on the trampoline, stretch, get the body going, and then start my day. Oh, yes. I love that. And I also think it's very refreshing to hear that because movement doesn't have to look like taking a big run or a sprint in the morning. Like it can just be a little, just get into the body. I love that. Mm-hmm. It also yeah, seems just wake to just get our, you know, yeah, our chi flowing somehow. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, well, now I'm curious to know, how is it when Leo goes into a hypno journey yourself? Like what, <laughs> what else came up in that experience for you? <laughs> this was um, a ketamine assisted journey, but everything turns into a hypno journey mm-hmm. with me. You know, like every, I'm walking down the street turns into a hypno journey. Um, <laughs> but I think people don't realize that they, I think we separate a lot of these categories. It's like plant medicine or things like ketamine, they put you in trance. So you're 
you're going to similar places, you're just choosing a different medium. And based on the spirit of that medium is going to dictate the type of journey you're going to have. Mm -hmm. So like mushrooms have a spirit, ayahuasca has a spirit, ketamine has a spirit, MDMA has the spirit. So when you are in a process with one of those chemicals or plants, you're you're going on a journey with the spirit of that medicine. Um, and same with hypnotherapy, you're going on a journey with the spirit of hypnotherapy, mm. um, sh shamanic journeying, really. So I think we're all we're, they all go to similar places, just on a different vehicle. Oh, that's really beautiful. Um, it's reminding me, I was just working with my healer who does, he brings in a lot of shamanic rituals, but he studied in Africa for a lot of his, you know, time training. And he was comparing it to musicians. He would say, I would work with a lot of musicians and they would come to me and they would never say, I wrote this song, or this is my song. They would say, I was given the gift of this song, like always acknowledging that they were kind of channeling a higher intelligence or that it was just a gift that was flowing through them. And he really noticed that Western culture, you know, in particular is very separate from that idea that is found in most other places that we are given kind of ideas and they flow through us. Um, so I love that you're describing these healing modalities, this plant medicine, even the work that you do as a practitioner as, you know, working with the spirit of, okay. So I want to get more into asking you about these different medicines Ketamine yeah. is so interesting. I remember ketamine going around like the New York City underground and having it associated totally. as like a party drug. But now in totally. the last five years, there's been so much amazing research about what it can do. So what is the kind of misinterpretation perhaps of ketamine and what was your experience like with this assistance? Yeah, I avoided it for a long time because I was in the underground um, music seen in New York for a long time. I don't know how to ever really describe that exactly. But if you looked yeah. up the definition of out in the dictionary, like there would just be a picture of my face. <laughs> like, <laughs> when you look up the phrase on the scene in urban dictionary, <laughs> like it will just be a mugshot of yeah. me. <laughs> like I was out, like I was at, I was in this scene um, yes. wholeheartedly. Um, and it was an incredible teacher for me. So obviously ketamine was around and never really called to me. I'm like, I want to be up and moving and dancing and present and in my flow and really in my body. And when I saw people at ketamine, he mostly was slowing them down and they looked glassy eyed and a little out of presence. I was like, I'm good on that, but enjoy. Yeah. Um, but also now that I think about it, you're only... You don't know what people are on when you see them. You only notice when people take too much and then you notice the effects of that. So it's not a very good, you know, marker of, you know, what people are taking and how it affects people. So, yeah, I avoided it because it is a dissociative. So there is an element of you kind of separating from your identity. And that's exactly why it's powerful in therapy. It's almost like you get to take a bird's eye view of your life. You get to step out of your ego state a little bit and like not seeing everything from inside and like, oh, he said, she said, and this happened. And then when I was four, then that, and then like, you're not like trudging through the mud with tr all the triggers and reactions as you're going through it, you get to kind of zoom way out and inspect it from all different angles and perspectives. So that's why I think ketamine is becoming popular within therapy, because there's very few substances that have that quality to it of like that neutrality, I'll say. Mm, okay, so it wasn't like hyper emotional. There are moments that can be but it's not the duration. So it feels like if it's important and needs to happen, you could cry really wholeheartedly for like two minutes and then you're kind of transitioning into something else. Mm -hmm. Was at least my experience. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Like mushrooms, I'm curious to know how it compares to the other ones and I'm curious to try it someday, but like mushrooms feels very fleshy, like embodied, like you're Mm -hmm. part of nature, you're sinking into nature. Um, And this seems like it's more of that like dissociation, like you said, so you can kind of play around, get that bird's eye view. Does that that kind of sound like what's happening? Yeah. And from all my experiences, ketamine, the only way I can describe it is that it feels more like a technology than it is a drug. Mm. And I don't even really know what I mean by that. I know but what you all mean. Of my experiences, yeah. they have, but it's in its own category. Uh huh. It's every experience I've had on it is extremely galactic. And I connect to things like moments where I became skyscrapers and my whole body, like I was 60 stories tall. And I became the steel beams. Like, I don't, I don't know how when else I would have an experience like that. It just, it takes you. It just takes a whole other perspective. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because as you say that, like I can see it coming out of you. It's like that makes sense that you might have that visual of being a skyscraper or something. You know, especially with you having lived and spent time in all these major cities. I don't know. It just we right. become a little bit of our environment yes. somehow. It's really interesting. Kind of reminds me. I, I did DMT for a moment there, one time. It was a very short-lived experience, probably like five minutes. But it also felt like a technology. That's the only time I've you know heard it mm-hmm. something described like that, and I could see how that would come through for sure um what else are you exploring about your like interdimensional beings and family and where you came from and is there anything that's coming up for you and then that you're seeing in sessions comes up in sessions a little bit when i i've been interested in ets for several years maybe like five or six years um but never pushed it too intensely And I thought that when I became a hypnotherapist that I would be doing a lot more like Dolores Cannon work and Michael Newton work, like a lot of soul level work and inter, you know, off planet journeys with people and stuff like that (laughs) just didn't go that way. And because that's so me. So I'm like, oh, I must, this must be part of, you know, my calling and it still could be, but I think on a planetary level right now, people need trauma work we like we need to forgive ourselves right now not you know know what planet we're from although it's really <laughs> amazing so i feel like people like dolores cannon and if people are listening don't know her she was a popular hypnotherapist that did a lot of work in these realms um in the 80s and 90s so i feel like she like got the ball rolling so she planted the seed for all of us so that we know it's there but it was almost like it was too soon in our planetary evolution to fully go into that. So it's like, here's like where this will go. I'm going to give you like this glimpse. However, there's a lot of stuff that also needs to happen for all of us, but before we go all the way into that. So my sessions with people is mostly inner child healing, to be honest, memory Mm -hmm. healing, relational healing, Mm -hmm. healing stuff with mom and dad and lineage and patterns passed down and societal programming and religious deconditioning and Mm -hmm. self-hate deconditioning and all that kind of stuff. And I think when that feels pretty solid, I think we go on to the next phases. Mm-hmm. What do you think people need to hear in these sessions, especially around inner child healing that they're, they've been grasping for or haven't clicked for them until they come into a session with you perhaps and, and really get to explore that inner world? Like, what is it that they usually need to hear or that kind of wakes them out of that system? I think the main thing people need to know is that whatever is triggering you in your current life pretty much has nothing to do with that situation. It's just the last domino that's falling. And that's the only one that it's the one that's most graspable for us in present time. But I always tell people like, look at your reaction to situations in relation to what's happening. I always picture things on a graph. Like if you get cut off as you're driving and you notice rage go to an eight out of a 10, was getting cut off like an eight out of a 10 reaction to this situation. So like, 
put the situation and your reaction on a graph. If they don't match, that means that there's something deeper happening. And 90% of the time, it's a inner child that is carrying the weight of the, your emotional past and is speaking to you through this trigger. Mm, yeah, amazing. I love that you are talking about it like a domino falling. Yeah, it's like reminding me of that question, you know, what are you making it mean? You know, we all kind of give these mm -hmm. big stories to one particular moment that seems huge, but it's not necessarily the whole story or it can really change in a moment. I feel like that's honestly where people talk about quantum leaps and having quantum leaps within the matter yeah. of like a month or something is that, oh, okay, yeah. I have the power to rewrite this story and they wake up in a new paradigm and it's, it, it is like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say in general, first people, first people need to realize that Working with an inner child is not a symbolic activity. And Dick Schwartz, who created Internal Family Systems, which is a popular style of therapy that includes parts healing and inner child healing, he's been doing this 50 plus years. I was listening to an interview with him recently, and he said, people need to know that these parts and inner children we're interacting with are a version of your consciousness that is as real as you are now mm -hmm. so you are traveling back in time as your consciousness and impacting your timeline as that child you're visiting yourself from the future mm -hmm. and altering this whole history it is not like oh i think my inner child will tell me like that sixth grade sucked and that was really hard for her it's like no you don't have to guess she's right there she's inside of you how was her experience ask her and listen and they will tell you mm -hmm. and do you feel like the same thing is happening both backward and forward so that when we heal that we also hear heal our lineage going forward a thousand percent yeah it's really interesting and i feel like the more you know, we get into quantum physics or entanglement or anything like this. And we, I mean, I've just been so fascinated by how science is mirroring the truth of all of this. And right. um, we can, we can literally see this as a reality. I mean, even thinking about the James Webb telescope, looking back to the big bang, we're seeing the beginning of we're time traveling. We are literally time traveling, um, right. you know, and sometimes it's hard to wrap our logical brains around, but I find the exact same thing. Um, I was just doing a session with my dear, you know, friend and client, but we were having her look back at a family unit where the women were silenced at the dinner table and kind of visualizing her being heard and seeing all the women get to speak for the first time and really be celebrated for using their voice. And it was hugely emotional, not just for her, but it rippled into her family unit as well. And it was like her changing that started yeah. to, to shift a lot. Um, you know, in her relationship with her family, but also her children someday, if she has kids are going to be really different. Exactly. I work mm -hmm. with a lot of mothers to be or women attempting to be mothers. I do a lot of womb healing in this work. I think that if you get into this work, you can't avoid it. Like if you're doing emotional healing in 2023, you're going to be doing womb healing. Like women have been so mistreated for so many generations and still to this day you can't separate it so yeah that's probably one of the biggest areas where i work with people um the guilt the shame the abuse that is held in this powerful area of the body and when that womb is full with pain there's not a lot of space for a new soul to come in there and and take life and take root um, so the, yeah, I see that a lot. And I, see a lot of women come and say what you just said, like, I'm ready to clear this so that it doesn't go one more generation, like with me is enough. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I am so interested that you're describing the womb too, as like, it's, it can't be a baby can't come into a quote unquote hostile environment. So it's gotta be like ready and able, you know, to, to host that. Do you find that like, 
Well, I'm also just thinking about, I'm sure that sometimes this comes up in your sessions. I think it came up in mine with you a little bit too, is like this witch wound that women carry through Mm. in this um, dampening of our powers and um, spiritual activations at all, because we were uh, persecuted for that and burned for that, you know, pretty recently. And now it seems like you tell me what you're finding too, but like, we're very much trying to become men. A lot of us in this lifetime to hustle like men, to work like men, to be the breadwinners, to not soften as much as maybe we would like to, because we think we have to keep up with the boys. Um, you know, so I find that a lot of women are learning how to lean into that and still really, and activate their power tenfold by doing so. Mm-hmm. So I wonder yeah. if you're seeing that come up. I'm definitely seeing that. And I think what people, what I see women realizing is that um, is radical self-reliance somewhat because they're interested in it, somewhat out of necessity, somewhat out of self-empowerment. It's different for everyone. Um, and I see, I see both. I, I see a lot of women also doing it because they just feel like they don't feel that supported right now by the masculine. And so I feel like they're kind of forced to playing more into it, not because they like genuinely want to, but simply because it makes the most sense kind of logistically in the society we're in. So they're like, yeah, I'd love to be more in my feminine, but also like, I'd like to have my own life too. And the reality of the world is that it promotes a lot of masculine qualities so like that's what i have to do temporarily to kind of move this needle to stand on my own two feet and have a great career and get everything that i need and you know have time for myself like okay i'll do it um and then i see them kind of softening after that's kind of set after they have some momentum with that i see them softening again which is nice Does this sound like you? You feel like you've hit a plateau in life and just don't know where to turn. It's like you know you're ready to feel better, but how do you do that? I know what that feels like to basically throw everything at the wall without getting results, feeling frustrated, trying yoga, breath work, journaling, exercising, therapy, but nothing seems to help. That was me five years ago. If you're like me, you're ambitious, you're ready and willing to change, you know that it's possible to lead a fulfilling and happy life, you know that you could feel confident, but you just don't know where to start. That's why I've created my confidence mentorship for you. This is a 16-week one-on-one mentorship series with me. And our work together is about having you activate and actually embody your highest self, understanding that your highest self is not outside of you or beyond you. She lives within you. And our work together is peeling back all the layers that are keeping her from showing up, keeping you from stepping into that heaven on earth for yourself. And I'm so passionate about this work because every single woman who has come through this mentorship container with me has experienced incredible quantum leaps. So if you're ready to finally step into the woman you've always known you could become, get clear on your path forward and truly change your life, just apply with the link in the description below and I'll talk to you soon. Back to the episode. Yeah. And I think there's room for both. You know, I've become just obsessed with business and learning the game of it kind of and the energetics of business. But I think it's helped me in business to bring the feminine flow in. Like, for example, just making sure that I have four days of like whatever time, you know, and I'm really only working for So that's, I guess, an example of how those marry together and it can still be, it doesn't mean that tapping out of that means less productivity even or less presence in business. It's just a different way of doing it. Yeah. I think in the beginning, they're having to tap into the masculine and then once that feels kind of set up, then they're realizing how magical it is to fuse the feminine masculine together. And I think that's where I see them taking huge leap, you know, these huge quantum leaps when they fully give themselves permission to take those four days and to do whatever they want with them, even if it's lay and right. lay in bed for two of them or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, when they really embrace that, I see a lot of flow happen from that. Yeah. And like creativity. I feel like if we are on such a one track way, we don't leave a lot of spark for creativity. And honestly, my fake nail just popped off and new ideas. (laughs) I can't. Good morning. Um, Okay. Well, this kind of leads me into asking you about the, I know tonight you're teaching your abundance, like hypno journey, and this will come out in a couple months, but 
what are you finding about like abundance, prosperity? Where are people either blocking themselves or where can we open up more to receiving that and understanding our inherent worthiness of honestly building wealth, prosperity, leaning into being deeply supported in these ways by the universe? And what can we work on clearing out there and opening up to? first thing that I see is that people make their business or their partner, if a partner is supporting them, their source of wealth, which means they disconnect themselves from source consciousness. It's kind of like on a really cloudy day, forgetting that there's an entire sky above you, above that. Just because it's not so obvious, you can't see it in the moment. Like where did the clouds come? You know, your business is the channel that divinity uses to bring you abundance mm. or fill it, fill in the blank. Um, so I think when pe people, I see people become very obsessive and clinging to partners as their sense of safety or job as their sense of security or finances. And that tells me that that person is lacking a trust in their own nature and their connection to source because if i truly knew i was loved and supported then i could be much more at ease with all of these ways that i receive the ways mm -hmm. i receive love care nurturing money it's like if a door closes i don't need to fight for that and i don't need to use like any weird tactics to get ahead because uh, you know this isn't the end all be all mm -hmm. so that's the first thing that i see is people forget people really think that these intermediary steps are their source and that's okay we all forget um we all forget what our true where we know where this is coming from and covid should have been a big wake-up call you know, like anything can change in a moment so if you're not connected to something that's eternal you know, it's like, I can put my hand, I can put my money in, in, you know, the hands of my ego and my business, or I can give it to spirit. Mm. And it's kind of funny that like, people are like, yeah, yeah, I have a connection to God, but as long as they're not handling my bank account. Yeah. And, and it's usually where we need a miracle the most. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's kind really of funny. It's so funny. I love your comparison of, you know, not going after that closed door in that kind of scarcity mindset that if that path worked for somebody, it's not necessarily meant for you. I'm trying to remember what you said recently. I was tuning into your recent hypno journey replay. And I just had this moment where I was like, Leo, you're such a free thinker. You have a way of getting us out of like loops and confines of like, this is how it's supposed to be to be like, Hey guys, like there's a whole nother path and we're each going to have a unique path and, you know, using our own unique blueprint, but I find, oh, you know what you were talking about recently too, was just like sales pages and, you know, kind of like the, the normal jargon that goes on in the spiritual community and how it promotes, you know, the lack that people have and tapping into that and kind of feeding on that, which brought so much awareness to how I've been marketing and, you know, trying to bring more light and, and offering, you know, flow through that. But, um, yeah. you know, what I love about your work is that you're constantly asking us to question these paradigms and say, where can we think for ourselves and ask for that attunement? And yeah, I wish I could remember exactly what you said. It'll come to me, but yeah, these, yeah. just these, these moments of like tapping into abundance, it's not just like a one, a one door thing we can open up. And then the other thing I see, a lot is, and that I've been experiencing along the spiritual journey of business is sometimes feeling guilt around pricing a certain way. Or do you ever experience that in your business? Just like knowing how to price in a way that feels right, or you know, allowing mm -hmm. more money and not feeling like guilty for that. I think that's a journey all of us practitioners pretty much are continually going through. It's like that's really a long journey. Um, I think what turned the corner for me was just really knowing where I spend my money, like, and fully being like the places I spend my money are in so much integrity. And also it took me a long, not a long time, but a good amount of time to really believe in my service. 
Like I hear people say, charge your worth. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you charge your worth? Why would you charge something that's number one, immeasurable? Like you're, you are an eternal <laughs> being of light. That worth, there's no chart to your worth. Yeah. So it's impossible to charge your worth. Charge the value of the service you offer. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, my sessions were five hours and they were $50. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my worth as a person or a practitioner. That's what I felt the service was worth during the mm -hmm. first few months that I was doing these because I was practicing and I was so excited to have anyone sit with me that I would have paid them $50, honestly, but I had to charge something. So they took it seriously. So that's a misconception that I would love, you know, for people to rewrite. And yeah, I think what I'm noticing is our ability to receive more on a financial level is definitely linked to how much love we can receive from our own selves mm -hmm. guiltlessly. Mm -hmm. How much permission do I give myself to receive love? And I also think that money is directly related to pleasure. Mm -hmm. How much pleasure do I give myself permission to receive? Oh, yeah. I can fully see that unfolding. I mean, I'm just thinking about, I just finally started to make money in my business this last year and it's be directly tied to pleasure i'm in the most peaceful space i've been in i'm in like a little cocoon like a growth cocoon mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah and i i'm really just picking up on what you just said about i had to charge 50 bucks so that they would take it seriously and i find that actually people want to pay people want to invest yeah. in themselves because they're <laughs> yeah. going to hold themselves accountable and i remember doing yeah. the exact same thing you know at the beginning you know charging a lot less and and the clients that were coming in were just kind of like a little more heady. Like they, they just weren't doing the big work and now paying yeah. my own mentor. Like I would pay her twice as much because the, the transformation that she is enabling in me is, um, is massive and it's so worth it. And I like want to pay because it makes me feel it's delicious feeling like it, it used to feel right. scary, but now it's like, take my money. Um, I love it. Cause it's, it's in circulation right. now. It's not, it's not a take it's a, it's a circulation. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The money that I don't hoard, hoard it anyway, you know, it goes to all these beautiful places. So the more people pay me, the more I get to pay a bunch of other magical creatures and services and offerings and products. So it's like, you know, what the hell? And also I always think about like, I think about my ancestors a lot. It's like, what would they say about me playing small in this service? Mm-hmm. It's like they didn't go through everything they did so I could charge hundred bucks for this life-changing experience. Yeah. Um, but I also had to know it was a life-changing experience. You know, like I I really wanted to know that this was gonna be good. Um, and what, what price tag you put on that, you know, that's up to each person. But I think that depending on what it is, it's gotta have some weight to it. It's gotta have some heft. Um, mm -hmm. especially if it's live one-on-one -on -one. it's just my opinion i completely that's agree really powerful yeah i think there's a necessary kind of initiation phase too of starting low ticket free just like practicing it, it is a practice yeah. and it doesn't happen overnight you have to you have to see it unfold to actually see if this work is helping somebody where your blind spots are and yeah, yeah. and then take it to the next level mm-hmm and then in three months, do they just go back? You know, like, does it have longevity? Like, I needed to know that these mm -hmm. results and changes changed with my clients. I'm checking in on them. They're letting me know. So when I knew that, I was like, all right, it's go time. <laughs> Here it we go. It is go time. Yes. Oh, thank you. This time. is one of my favorite topic is just business right now, but growing. But I want to hear more yeah. about your journey to Bali and what made you move there. Uh, so the last two years I was in Austin after almost a decade in New York City. Austin was kind of like, I needed a place to land after a wild decade. Um, I had a big wild breakup and, you know, I ended my old career as a fashion stylist and just leaving it. There's just so many doors were closing. I just needed a place to exhale for a while and spirit naturally brought me to Austin and 
did a lot of my business building, all the stuff we've been talking about, like practicing, getting my software set up, making, you know, doing all hundreds and hundreds of sessions and really getting into my craft and taking more training. And back to your galactic question, I took a 13 month galactic shamanism training, which is just like, I don't even know where that's all other thing, but just you know, like adding more in and, and not feeling like so stressed to do something. I don't know, New York, uh, being in New York and LA or just these other places that I think just has this heightened intensity built into it. I just wanted a place where I was kind of outside of that bubble a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so I always knew it was temporary. And then I have a friend here, one of my best friends in Bali and kept seeing her stories and just like every day, everything she posted looked so magical. And I was here for a little bit in 2018 um, on a family vacation. So not, you know, didn't have much personal time to explore. But even on that trip, I remember walking down the street with my mom and Ubu and I looked at her. I was like, I will be back here. I can see myself living here one day. Um, so that was 2018 and it just planted this seed. And yeah, I think the beauty and lushness called me back. Yeah. How long do you think you're going to be there? I imagine that I'll be here in winters and probably be in the U.S. and Europe in the summers because I'm also a city kid and like I need to be in the hustle and bustle too. <clears throat> still connected to my underground roots at heart. Still need to you know have some of that in my life. And also Bali is um, they don't have a lot of there's not a lot of queer energy here and my soul misses that. Yeah. So yeah, just need to mix it up and see friends and family. Yeah. My first bet when you were kind of teasing where you were going, I could not wait to see where you were going to land. I thought you were going to go to Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, lived that timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Berlin was great. I'll be back, but yeah, I feel like I did it. I did my time in Berlin. It was incredible. Yeah. It was the beginning of my spiritual awakening was Berlin. And yeah, time for something new. I'm thinking, well, we'll see somewhere in Europe. Yeah, I needed to hear this. It feels very expansive because I would love to mimic your patterning here and do, you know, winters in Costa Rica, bounce around, really get into travel flow in the next couple of years. My um, block, you know, is it seems to be, I know you're close with your family too. It's just feeling too far away from them, feeling separate from them. Yeah. But have you been able to manage that or alchemize that a little bit? just the distance aspect of it? Yeah, when I'm here, I don't feel far energetically, which I'm pretty surprised by. But then when you think about the reality of it, you're, you're, you're really far. Like I'm, as, I'm on the literal other side of the world, like almost as far as you can go. Mm -hmm. So that definitely said that does creep in more i think the more that i'm here the more i think about it um yeah and both of my brothers have little kids right now and my parents just moved into their like the home they're going to be in they just i've helped move them they're going to be there um and it's they built a house right behind my middle brother so like they're starting a little compound and they've got three kids and now the grandparents are there so it does i think as i'm as I'm getting older, I'm 32, as I'm getting yeah. older, yeah, I think family is more on my mind than it, than it ever has been. So it would be nice to be more connected for sure. Yeah, I'm with you though. I mean, even California, because nowadays it's like you hop on a flight, you can make it happen. And it's kind of the same being across the world in California, but energetically, I agree. It doesn't feel that different. I think it's just like, you just will make it, make it work and, and come back when the timing is right. And then same yeah. goes for relationships. You know, I think, um, I don't know, does, do you ever think about, you know, how you're going to date or meet somebody traveling this month? I'm projecting onto you because I'm like, how oh, am I no, going to date when I mind. travel? Like what is going to, cause I, it's my top priority coming up. So right. what, what do you think about oh, that? Oh, top priority. Not the dating, Ooh, the like traveling. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which I'm like, how do I, I work the into dating, dating if I'm going to travel so much? Yeah. No, this is, I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm going to Europe. I mean, it's the same answer that I have for what's your source of money. My source of dating and relationship is not dependent on my environment. 
because I know that my magnetism is powerful enough to bring an experience to me wherever the hell I am. If I'm walking in the jungle, like this happens to me with friend like i don't know what freak flag has been plastered over my head but like <laughs> i am just that person that accumulates characters and just I, everyone is a character in my life so i just know that it doesn't matter where i go i i could be anywhere and you know have an interesting interpersonal experience obviously you know when you're gay and dating the numbers are <laughs> it's not so easy you know i'm also like six three and i would love someone my height so it gets you know it narrows <laughs> down um you know pretty it's it's not the, the widest population yeah but i think that am when i'm in my flow i think that that energy of flow is what brings it anyway so i don't feel limited even though i said there's not a lot of queer people here I say that mostly because I think it impacts the social landscape of a place. So in Indo Indonesia is predominantly Muslim and Bali is one of the only Hindu islands. So, but even here culturally, it's really not a green light. It's illegal to be gay in Indonesia. Uh -huh. So that affects, you know, the culture here, you know, that, that puts something here. Um, so that, that energy is, it's there, you know, you don't feel it on a day to day, but it, you, you feel the impact of a culture without gay people. And it makes things less interesting, to be honest. Like mm -hmm. I'm out at a party, I'm used to New York and Berlin and London and, you know, these places. And I, we just, everyone, you know, it's all a melting pot. Everyone just comes and no matter who you are. And the, um, I'm used to places that are set up for like, the out, kind of you know quote unquote the outcasts or freaks uh, you know society that's why i love underground culture so much it's just in my blood because i go and i see people that have spent all week making an outfit and they've been thinking about this party for a month and spent all day planning and getting ready and having a ceremony before they go and it's they've canceled all plans the next two days so that they can relax and rechill. It's like right. it's an event and you feel mm -hmm. that in the room when you're there in these very particular underground spaces. It's not for getting messed up and losing your mind. It's for deep inner healing work. Yes. And I don't think people realize that. And we need yeah. queer spaces that feel safe to do that. Mic drop. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. It, you know what? As I think about it, like, you know, just the New York City underground, I used to just, it was just like house music. It was just all these new upcoming DJs, but it felt like a drumming circle a lot of the time because we would be going for hours just rhythmically moving together. And I was like, what do you take the music yes. out of this? What is happening? We're all moving uh, together. Yeah. We're dancing. We're yeah. sweating. We're like, it felt tribal. It really did. And like put house music in yeah. there and then you got euphoria mixed in and like, exactly. Oh, it just, it's so good. There's like house music is so healing. It just like to get the pulse up, like the kind of rhythmic drumming yeah. almost in your chest is like, it's so healing. I love it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I tell people. I'm in, I'm in the more in the techno underground, but similar. It's like the BPMs in a lot of tech music is the same BPM as a fast paced drumming, shamanic drumming. So, and on these giant speakers, the, the reverberations are literally going through every cell in your body. You're fasting because you're probably not eating all night. You're on a substance. Most people are, but even sober, you're high just from mm -hmm. group high. So everyone's high. Everyone's usually facing one direction. Everyone's dancing in unison. You're sweating, you're fasting and you're <laughs> throwing a sweat lodge in you know like <laughs> call it a day like this is yeah this is this is our version of it yeah it's a retreat well music i mean in itself is so potent i feel like it we sometimes don't give it enough credit but i think anybody who yeah. considers themselves to be more highly sensitive like i just know i, I have to be really ready to even listen to a song like because it's yeah. gonna, I'm, I mean, they're gonna cry or something's gonna happen. I have to be really ready. And it reminds me yeah. of, um, <laughs> I I took this extra class called ethnomusicology in college, but they were talking about, you know, how 
people when a spirit dies like especially in places in africa their community and their family will go into the the place the shelter where that person passed and drum out the spirits and it will be a whole musical event with brass and drumming to to move to take the spirits out um and it's just a part of their ritual and passage so i feel like that that is what's happening a lot of the time with music is we're clearing we're activating and we can call in spirits for sure so using discernment um with music and yeah. film and whatever we're watching too. That, that, that's going to be my funeral. Trust me. I'm like y'all better be dancing or you <laughs> messed up. But yeah, as I said, my spiritual awakening was in Berlin when I was like 23, 24, when I realized exactly what you said, I saw these people in these intense techno clubs and I saw them, I saw the German people, the German youth, this was their way of dancing the trauma of world war ii out of their cellular memory mm, mm-hmm. what do you do with an entire society where their grandparents were all nazis how how do you live with that mm-hmm. they're not going they're not you know that's so heavy that's so dark most of them they're not going to therapy but they can go to a club and dance for 24 hours until they nearly collapse because that's how deep they have to go that's why techno music doesn't have words because it activates that language part of your mind so without words you go deeper into trance all night because there's no distractions wow wow mm-hmm. i mean now that you've said that just thinking about the energy surrounding berlin it is this kind of dark leather like you know kind mm-hmm. of dark energy but it's so attractive yeah. because it, it's got this light top to it like where it's fun right. People are right. light and um, creative and amazing. Right. And it makes the darkness enticing and like sexy right. kind of, and like really powerful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At first I was terrified and intimidated. I mean, I was 20, I didn't know what I was walking into. I was just 23. Um, but yeah, I walked into these scenes and then, yeah, I, f- I realized, oh, these, these are light workers. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. these are the people, you know, healing. <laughs> This German, you know, someone has to do it. They have to do it some way. They're not, most people aren't consciously doing it, but I'm seeing more and more people talk about it. So yeah. that was like this light bulb moment. And, you know, all of it saw people releasing entities and, you know, calling in spirits and letting things pass through, you know, people opening portals on the dance floor and people that could move and shift the entire crowd, you know, with, with their energy. I, I was like, this, that was my training. That was my energetic training right there. Totally. Oh, I mean, well, I will have told people to go back to our first episode together because you walk us through like the true work that you do and entity removal and, you know, kind of working through attachments and everything. So it sounds like you have shifted. Well, how has your, has your work changed at all in the last year? Um, I know you were talking about inner child healing being at the forefront here and really speaking to that being, um, but has anything else changed in your practices recently? Yeah, I, I always go in as neutral as I possibly can and let the client lead. And, you know, we, we all have our role to play. So I was talking earlier that, you know, the planet needs a lot of trauma healing and inner child healing, but there are practitioners that do, well, all their sessions are super galactic or very past life based. So, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but this is just what is the most pressing for me because I think it has the most like we can't, we can't graduate fully into those other realms until we have this one pretty squared down. And just from doing so many sessions, the majority of my clients just go to memories between, you know, like three years old and 12 years old. Like that's just the bulk of where a lot of our patterns began. And it's been like that for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So my work, my work hasn't changed a ton. I would say one of the the biggest, the other thing that I probably introduce in the last year or so that I become fully obsessed with is Byron Katie work. So I make most of my clients listen to her book, Loving What Is, before they do a session with me. Um, because I just feel like it cuts through stuff so quickly and people really need, if they're ready for it, like that's the fast track. Um, so I would say I've introduced more belief work, I think, Greece in the last year than I have. 
Why is that so important? You know, belief work, maybe that's an obvious question to ask, but why is it so important to tune into a strong belief system and maybe faith? I, I would call it faith even, you know, just trusting yeah. and, and choosing. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? I think because most of what we're dealing with are the result of stories and story. I believe that body follows mind. So the mind has a story about something and everything else aligns with that story. So chronic illness, disease, body pain, sleep problems, and I think pretty much anything on a body level that's not just, you know, you got in an accident or maybe something genetic, you know, there's only so much we can do about that, but everything else is story based, which is really good news because stories aren't made of anything. It's immaterial. So you can change that in one session and watch every, watch the, the whole domino effect take place from there. So that's why I work on belief so much because after doing this for a long time, I'm like, everything is literally a fucking story. And that doesn't take long to change unless you have a story that things take long time to heal, then they will. So I just love like going to these layers and layers of people and keep questioning all the beliefs that come up for them and watching them like pop them like little balloons and then them just like epiphany after epiphany like zoom out zoom out zoom out and then they make these huge leaps yeah yeah i also just think your work has so much integrity partly because you're not really concentrating on you know getting them back again and again and again and again like therapy for years and years and years it's like what can we heal right now so that you can you know, move on and shift into the next dimension, you know? Yeah. 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 I want to see people as little as possible. That's how <laughs> I know I'm doing my job. Like, I love you, but I don't need to see you every week. That being said, well, based back to your question, I have recently started to take more um, chronic illness clients. I have a, a little group of people working through cancer right now. Um, that has been really rewarding for me and really powerful. They, uh, you know, they're, I am seeing them right, more consistently. That's mm -hmm. not a overnight switch. Totally. Um, if something, if your body has that much accumulated emotional stress, you know, there's going to be a lot of layers for us to go through and we don't need to rush that. You know, that's not a bandaid we rip off. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's, that's one thing that's changed my work a lot. It's, I don't know, spirit is steering me more in this direction. A lot of autoimmune um, stuff. I've been working a lot with um, like endometriosis and all sorts of interesting things. I've got a buddy and I've even gone through bouts of autoimmune with alopecia. Do you have any insight on just autoimmune in general? Like what's coming up there? Mostly... <laughs> Same, the same stuff yeah yes. stories from our past that just have accumulated that have gained enough momentum to be like hey you know like look over here yeah. um yeah autoimmune is is something that i love to help people with because i believe you know autoimmune when you really boil it down is like the body kind of attacking its own self which mm -hmm. is illogical mm-hmm the body would never on its own accord, you know, hurt its own self. That doesn't make any sense. So that's just the body saying, I love you so much that I'm going to hurt myself. So you pay attention to this. I'm, I completely agree. I'm not sure people want to hear that though, which is where the crux seems to be. Cause I have completely sure. seen that. Like I have a little patch of hair that has fallen out twice specifically related to trauma, like uh, psychological trauma. I can pinpoint right when the hair fell out to when I felt deeply unsafe. And then as I started to rebuild my safety stories, everything was okay. The hair grew back. So, but that yeah. saying that to someone who's deep in the throes of it, or is perhaps not on this path quite yet can be yeah. really upsetting. Like, this is not my Definitely. fault. You know, that's what I hear. It's like, right. this is not my fault. And so it's like, how do we have this conversation? Of course, it's not your, it's not a fault. This is an invitation. Right. Um, right. And there's nothing wrong right. with you. This is, you know, right. how do you go about that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. This doesn't mean anything about you. And for some people, 
it might not have a lot to do with you. For example, it could be ancestral and like for some reason, you know, it's playing out through you. I, I say a lot, the things that happen to you are not your fault, but they are our responsibility now. Yeah. Like, I don't know why this is on my plate. I could sit here and argue with that forever. But as Byron Katie loves to say, when I argue with reality, I lose, but only 100% of the time. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really, her whole viewpoint is I'm really only in stress when I argue with reality. That's, that, that's when she said, I only know the difference between what hurts and what doesn't hurt. And all I know is that when I accept reality, I don't hurt anymore. So how can we help people understand it's okay to lean into the reality? Because the reality is usually very scary for them. Like, oh my God, I'm, I'm sick. Like, how can we unpack that? First, I think realizing that there's a lot of layers happening here and they don't have, they're not a reflection of your worth. And to be honest, it, it is scary. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we have to start there that it is a lot. It is going to be overwhelming, most likely at first. But I think it's important. I think something that was always helpful for me is whatever, whenever I was working through particular topic that felt really heavy. I listened to podcasts and stories of people that were on the other side of that so mm -hmm. that I could just hear their tone of voice. I could hear their story. I knew that they were in my shoes and I would listen to as many as I could not to give, not to like BS myself or to positive think myself out of it. But I think just to give my mind examples of what's possible. Absolutely. So you can, at this point, at this thing, you can go on Spotify and search, but you know, debt, stress, uh, cancer scare, you know, fill in the blank with whatever you're dealing with. And there's more people sharing their stories than ever. And I mm -hmm. think also when people go through something that heavy, they feel really alone and they don't feel understood by the people around them. And they're probably not understood by the people around them. Mm -hmm. So community is going to be really, really important. Mm, that's really beautiful advice. Yeah. To find expanders, you know, I think just hope is so powerful and also seeing how that hope actually plays out and then how those belief systems truly do start to reflect in the body. Um, it's really, this is going to sound very superficial and kind of vain, but I intentionally said to myself like six months ago, Helen, we're going to have a glow up. I'm like, what needs to happen here? I want hair, skin, nails, like heightened, just kind of yeah. for fun to experiment with it. And I literally yeah. was telling my cells, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. I want you to nourish my skin. I would have meditations where I'd be speaking to my cells down to like, make my lips a little bigger, like whiten my eyes a little bit more. And my, I've had Why two not? people ask me if I got like work done recently. I'm like, you're, I, I can't really tell you that I've been sitting in meditations, like praying into my <laughs> body. <laughs> but yeah. I always say that in sessions with people too, yeah. like pray into your, speak to yourselves. They are little, they're doing the work for you. They will take direction. So yeah. where, where do you want, where do you want them to go? Tell them what you want them to do. Have a, have a relationship with your body and your cells is listening to us. System is always listening. And I love, I love that example. Yeah. Body follows mind. Okay. So if I have an, if I have an impact on mind, that means I have a much greater impact with my body. And it also tells me that the thoughts that are just, casually racing are also impacting that so being mindful of that and the judgment and the criticism of self and other mm -hmm. all yeah. of it is gonna accumulate into this vessel mm, absolutely oh my god well i could talk to you for hours i'm so grateful that you're here Same. Um, what, how can people work with you? I've worked with you as, uh, people will know if they listened to our first one and it was absolutely transformative. I think about it a lot. I think about what I picked up in our session a lot. So, 
I recommend this to anybody who's ready to take a deep dive to do a journey with you. And what do your sessions usually look like? They're like four, three to four hours. It's like, you know, yeah. yeah. And then you're doing group hypnosis. Yeah. Tell us more about your offerings. Yeah. I have, I'm really happy with the little, I've narrowed it down to what I feel is most effective as a starting point for people. And it's a little package of two, just two sessions. We start there. The first session's four hours. We go through so much material. Then I give a person three weeks to integrate. Then we meet again for an hour and a half to kind of put it all together. You know, people usually come back, they're like, this, 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 this was amazing. But like this, I saw my mom and like had this explosion. So we get to just, you know, clean up anything on that last one and then people can come back for single sessions so that's my little package and yeah once a month i do a group journey whatever is in the collective that month just do a little 15 20 minute talk and then a 20 minute hypnosis experience it's a great way to dip your toe in and see how this modality feels and the community is so beautiful Mm -hmm. and really incredible shares at the end but there's no talking you just lay it's just for you it's just for you to lay and receive there's i don't think we carve enough time out to just like let me have this island of time for me to receive so that's the offering and that's totally donation based you can pay nothing and come um and in the future i know i'm definitely going to be teaching more it's like squawking in my ear I, I know that it's coming i just like need to be in a place in my life where i'm grounded enough to hold you know a container for this this big work yeah so that you know i, I was there'll be more of that but there's there's little stuff on my website for like anyone that wants to start learning your website looks so good too well i love uh, you All right, my friends. And before you go, there is a free book linked for you in the show notes called How to Embody the Most Confident Version of Yourself Without Bypassing Your Healing Journey. So enjoy that one. Let me know what your takeaways are and everything else you might want to know about is on HelenDenham.com. So thank you again for being here as a part of this community. I love you and I'll talk to you on the next one. Bye for now.